Good to see you all this morning. It is a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak to you. I would say on behalf of Lisa and I, thank all of you for your hospitality this week as well. We have thoroughly enjoyed the week with you, enjoyed spending time together, and spend, enjoyed spending some time in study together as well. Um, in 2011, I had a very good friend that was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And his name is Justin Springer. Spent a lot of time with Justin through the years previous to that. We'd been to Nigeria together. Um, had done a lot of church work together, knocking doors together. And he called me one December, just kind of after a Christmas celebration that our family was having. He called and he said, hey, I've been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and they're saying it's not good. And I said, you've got to be kidding me, Justin. I mean, we had no, no clue. See if I can loosen this up a little. For some reason, it's tying me up. Um, there's, uh, I'm good. Thank you, guys. Uh, I think I'm good. Uh, anyway, did, I said, you've got to be kidding. You know, I mean, that's, I can't imagine that that's the case. That you're, you're fine. You've been fine. And uh, he said, no, that's what they're telling me. And sure enough, over time, that diagnosis was confirmed and... They basically told him he had 12 months to live with no treatment, nine months to live, sorry, 12 months to live with treatment, nine months to live with no treatment. And he lasted nine months and he took treatments. But never before had I ever witnessed somebody that just walked straight into death and did it with such great faith and did it with such great character. He knew exactly where he was going, he knew exactly what he was doing. And he knew for nine months that that was happening. During that nine months, some other people died that didn't know they were going to die. And he said, I don't, I had this conversation with him across his table. He said, I don't know which is better. I Knowing that I'm facing the end or, or waking up one day and, and being dead. I don't, I don't know which one would be better. I'll move you along a couple of years we lost Justin. Justin passed away, and, and I was heartbroken. Next to Lisa, probably the closest friend I'd ever had. Two years later, I was driving home one day, and there was an accident in front of us. I was about 20 cars back. And it just kind of, I was pulling a trailer at the time. I was kind of even kind of the half aggravated, oh no, I missed my turn. There's an accident up there. I, there's no way I can turn around with this trailer and all that kind of stuff. And I got up a little bit and went, that looks like Leland's vehicle. Leland's my oldest brother. And my son-in-law was with me in the car. And I said, Michael, I said, look for Leland. I was kind of having to pay attention to driving at the time. And. And Michael said, well, I see him there. And he said, oh, no, no, that's not him. And he goes, but there's his kids. And sure enough, uh, my nieces and nephews were on the side of the road. We pulled around the accident. Traffic was moving real slow, but we pulled. And I had that trailer pulled over in front. Parked off to the side of the road, came back toward the accident. Michael jumped out to see about the nieces and nephews. There were some other people in the car, too. Don't know if you know the Van Bevers from Oklahoma, but 
uh, Kim was in the vehicle with a couple of their kids and it was a really, really bad accident. And I walked back up to that wrecked vehicle and there was my sister-in-law and she was dead. And I was just stunned. I just stood there. And there were people yelling and screaming. There was a lot of chaos going on. There's nothing to do to help her. She was dead. So we went over to the nieces and nephews, and there were a few that had some injuries and stuff. We were trying to dress injuries and get them to the hospital and on ambulances and all that sort of stuff. But I called my brother. He wasn't in the vehicle. He was at home. And I said, you need to come. He said, well, I heard there's an accident. I said, there's an accident. He had, somebody had already called him. And I said, but it's not good, Leland. And he said, that's what I'm hearing. And Leland pulled up to that accident. The night before, Leland and Kathy had invited us over to their house on Thursday night. And we said, we're busy. You know, we've got some things going on. We're not going to be able to be there. But I can tell you where I spent Thursday night. It was on the side of the road next to my sister-in-law's body. That's where I spent Thursday night. Because all other plans changed that day. No matter how busy you are, don't have time for anything, all of a sudden, all that washed away. I'll tell you a little thing about social media that's just, I don't know if it disgusts me or it's intriguing or what the situation is, but... I was on the side of the road next to my sister-in-law's body and somebody from Oklahoma called me and said, is it true that Kathy's been killed? And we had not even informed, well, we were trying to inform them, but their family hadn't been informed yet. And there were people from Oklahoma already calling and I was standing on the side of the road next to her body when I received the phone call. That was 2013. This last September, almost a year ago now, I got another phone call it's from a nephew of mine. It was Lisa's sister's son. We were all headed to a family reunion. We were going to enjoy some good times together. And my nephew called me and he said, Uncle Ty, he said, I've heard there's been an accident. And I said, what's happened? He said, well, I don't know for sure. He said, but Grace called me and said it's bad. Well, he didn't have any details. He was 50 miles away. We were 50 miles away. We were all leaving, heading toward the same place. So we all started making adjustments. I called Lisa's brother immediately and said, there's been an accident. We don't know any details yet and all that sort of thing. And within short order, we found out that Lisa's sister had been killed in that car wreck. Her brother severely injured. And the girl that made the phone call to Ethan, which is my nephew, was his sister, Grace. She was in the back seat of that car, and she was in a bad way. She was hurt very severely, but she, would, she had enough sense about her on an ambulance to call her brother and say, there's been an accident. So we all started heading to hospitals, and about halfway to the hospital, they were miles away. They were... From where we were at, they were, an, they were taking Angela to a hospital. She was already dead. We didn't know it at the time, but they were taking her an hour and a half away from where we were at to Bryan College Station because they were kind of heading up that way. They were trying to get Angela some help at the time, but Angela had passed away and 
long story short, we were about halfway to Bryan College Station during the middle of COVID. We, they, we didn't know that they'd even let us in the hospital, but we thought we need to go. So all plans changed. There's no more family reunion. We're headed to the hospital in Bryan College Station. About halfway there, I got another phone call from my brother-in-law, Lisa's brother, and said, Angela has passed. Angela was killed in that wreck, and, and they have life-flighted Craig, which is her husband. We immediately turned around. They went to the hospital that Grace was taken to because she was in a bad way. And they went to the hospital they took Angela to, but went, by the time they got there, they knew she had been killed. We turned around and went to Lisa's mother, who was in Pasadena, Texas, 50 miles the other direction. And we knocked on Carolyn's door. She was there homesick with her husband, who was on his deathbed, essentially. We knocked on her door, and Carolyn, you could see in the look in her eyes, she knew why we were there. She had already heard there was an accident. We didn't say anything immediately, just hugged her neck. And we sat down there at the couch and said, Carolyn Angela's been killed, her daughter. Carolyn's nearly 80 years old. That's not news you want to hear. Probably one of the toughest moments of my life was sitting there with Lisa and her mother trying to explain to her that her, that her daughter had been killed. And her son-in-law is in the hospital. Her granddaughter's in the hospital. And during the middle of COVID, we tried to have a funeral. We were trying before then to fist bump and not hug and all kinds of stuff and as a congregation, but Angela was killed. We just, we're hugging. I, you know, we're not going to do this. In January, Lisa's dad, who'd been on his deathbed essentially for a couple of years, had been a bad, bad way, took his last breath, died. Every one of us are going to die. All of us. Every one of us. We don't like to think about it, though. But I want you to read a passage. Open with your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want you to begin reading in verse number 50. It says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death! Where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. And thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The Apostle Paul is reminding us that that's the end of all men. 
And where this mortal must put on immortality. This corruptible body must put on incorruption. And there's coming today, we're going to all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet's going to sound, and the dead are going to be raised incorruptible, and we're going to be changed. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, turn with me if you would. Verse number 13, we're going to start. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain should be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Years ago, I was in a Bible study with somebody. My grandmother was sitting across the room. My grandmother has long since passed. She died about 1988. And I was reading this passage with the people that we were studying with. And I could look over there at my grandmother and she was mouthing the word. She knew this passage. And I stopped and I said, Mama, why don't you tell us verse 18? And she said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. She knew exactly that passage. She knew that passage. She found comfort in that passage. Keep reading in chapter 5 if you would. But at the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch. And be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a passage in Jeremiah chapter 32 that says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? I dwell on that passage sometimes. I think about that. Is there anything too hard for God? You know, inside my body, I've got a heart that beats. And it beats a little quicker than one beat every second. And he created that heart to beat a little faster than one beat every second. And he created it to beat, and I don't even have to think about it. It just automatically beats. And I continue to live life, and that heart continues to beat. And I will tell you that the sun woke up this morning, and I woke up this morning, and I got up, and I live today. And I don't really think a lot of times about my heart beating. Years ago, I was over at some people that I love dearly, Herschel and Catherine Williams' house, fantastic people. They have since passed away. But one particular Sunday afternoon, Catherine's heart just stopped beating. And she just slumped down in the chair. And there was someone present there that day 
that did CPR on her and got her heart started again. And she lived another several years. They put a $30,000 piece of equipment in her that was a defibrillator slash whatever it was. And, and it went off a few times, got that heart going again. And that heart just continued to beat. But you know, there came a time when even a $30,000 defibrillator doesn't get your heart going again. And Catherine, at some point in time, died. And Herschel passed away. And a lot of great people that I've known that I was very close to passed away. My dad died about three years ago. And I still drive up in the driveway and I think about, hey man, I'd like to tell dad this. What's going on today? I can't do it. He's not with us any longer. We just keep living life and we think this is going to beat forever. We know in the back of our mind there's going to come a time it won't. But we put it out of the back of our mind and we just go live life. But you know the passage there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 said when they're saying peace and safety then destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. And our heart just continues to beat and we continue to live life. And we forget sometimes of the important things that we ought to be paying attention to. You know it comes with a thief in the night when they're saying peace and safety. You see, the night before on Wednesday night, Kathy invited us over to their house. We were expecting to live the next day. She was expecting to live the next day. Our heart continued to beat. We put off the invitation. We can go visit them anytime. My heart was still beating. There's always time. And we just ignore the fact that this life is frail. This life is brief. The Bible says it's like a vapor. It's here for a little while and then it's gone. It's like the flesh is, all flesh is as grass. It's here and then it withers away. But we ignore it because our heart just keeps beating. And your heart keeps beating. And we worry about all kinds of things and we worry about paying bills and we worry about all of the things of life and hearts just keep beating. But I'm telling you and I'm warning you today, there is a time when your heart's not going to beat any longer. You just don't know when it's going to be. It could be this very moment or it could be 10 years from now or it could be 60 years from now. You just don't know. And the reality is your heart just keeps beating, but we know it's going to stop at some point in time. We just don't know when. But then when we say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon us as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. The question is when your heart stops beating, are you prepared for that? The question is when you're in the car wreck and your heart stops beating, are you prepared for that? The question is, have I been baptized into Christ? The question is, have I been touched by the blood of Jesus but a lot of times we put that stuff off too because we could do that anytime, right? And our heart just keeps beating. And then we just continue to ignore the fact that our spiritual life is not right with God. Even though we know it's going to end at some point in time, but there's always time for that. When they shall say peace and safety, then swift destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. And I just want to tell you, there's going to come a time 
when your heart doesn't beat any longer. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.